Uh, firstly, uh, thank you very much, Dennis, uh, for giving me opportunity to interview you for my YouTube channel and podcast. Yeah, nice to meet you, Sai. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, before talking about you and the work that you are doing, can you please introduce yourself to my audience? Yeah, sure. My name is Dennis. I'm from Moscow, Russia. Studied in a couple of countries, and I've been launching startups last year and so and i've been in e-commerce and in software as a service apps and other stuff i never knew how to code and didn't have a lot of money to uh, hire development teams and that's how i got introduced into no code tools after one year i learned so much about no code tools that i thought well why don't i go and start talking about them to other people helping them to launch their projects and I've done a couple startups and then I realized that the uh, like my last startup was the service which was helping founders overcome obstacles. And I it was a platform guides and one on ones with me. And then I started reaching out to users asking guys, what's the most useful thing about all of that? And surprisingly they didn't say the platform uh, which i was spending money on or the guides they said that these were one-on-one -on -one sessions i thought well why don't i stop spending money on developers and just focus on one-on-one -on -one sessions and that's how a couple months ago i have become a full-time founder coach you're your founder for two uh, companies look um i've got a limited company in UK now for doing this business which I'm in but look my projects which I was pre previously running I put them on hold to put like to focus on this thing full-time because I wanted to I, I was thinking that I found a combination of something I really enjoy and what people need. And that's why I told myself that this year, no matter what, I'm going to be continuing doing founder coaching and not stopping on that. And maybe it will take me many more years uh, doing this because it's something I really like. So presently you're working on uh, Dennis Chatelain. Like my company is called Razum, which stands for mind in Russian. Uh, yeah, so I work as a sole proprietor now. So what exactly you do? Um, the main thing which I do is that some person wants to launch a startup and they've got an idea. And what I do is I get them from idea to profit because um, I handle this stage best. I've been in it for six times with my different projects. And, you know, I had a dilemma uh, what my founder coaching should be like because I had two options. Either I go to founders um, who already raised their seed or a uh, serious round of funding, like this more mature companies. And I coach founders helping them to become better leaders, do better public speaking and charisma stuff. But I thought that I will struggle with getting leads with that at the start. And at the same time, a lot of people were reaching out to me asking how we can make this idea alive and how can we improve this project. And that's why I thought, okay, for now I focus on getting ideas to profit. And then after I work with many startups, some of them will grow and that's how i will be coaching more mature founders as well so which means uh, you help uh, uh, normal people to uh, start their business yeah because it's something that really resonates with my mission i've been working in consulting uh, a couple years ago and i saw people who sit at the same desk uh, for 17 years and thought that this path is not really much for me. I want to do something more exciting. And uh, that's how I got into this startup world. And yeah, basically what I do now is that um, whenever people are between zero and $10,000 uh, monthly recurring revenue with their project, we have a chat and we see that if we can, uh, like if I understand that we can um, scale their startup, we start working together.
so you are giving coaching through online <clears throat> yeah of course like i would uh see myself doing it offline in future because i live in moscow and in london travel places every couple months depending on where it's better with covid um, but i think that in future i see myself doing it from london because it's more of a startup capital than moscow and um, probably what i'll do is that i get enough uh, clients in london like enough partners and stay there for some years maybe then i'll rethink where i'm going to be staying but yeah i do it online now so how many startups you helped till now so far uh it's been 27 founders uh, and you know now i i'm thinking of uh, restricting like the people who apply for my coaching because the situation which happened is that I had quite many people reach out to me <clears throat> and um, not all of them were committed with their startups because I had one situation when one uh, girl wanted to do a uh, startup and basically after two weeks I realized that I care about her success more than she does and probably uh, like I was worried about that and that's why I went on YouTube to watch some videos what do you do about it and what I've been told is that it's absolutely fine and not all the uh, clients I'm gonna have are going to be extremely committed I should be just prepared for this and um, yeah just I want to be f working with more committed founders because me myself I am this mission driven type of guy because I put my uh, entire vision on top of short term uh, benefits and that's why I don't want to work with founders who treat it as a you know I want to do it as a hobby or some problems come up after a couple of weeks okay fine I give up on this it's not really the scenario which I can help in the most because I'm much more useful to those people who say okay I got fed up uh, doing my corporate work. I really want to make something impactful. Uh, I'm launching my first startup. I am fully in, into it and I'm gonna either die or succeed with this. That's the type of mentality which I uh, prefer way better because um, it, it's always a pleasure to work with people who are really committed and care about it so much rather than those who um, face first problems and then they just think okay I'm better off with my salary and don't care about it that much so all the 27 founders that you work for are from uh, they're from various countries uh, some of the recent ones were from Russia because uh, I got surprised that uh, despite average salaries being here being lower i had some uh, seed series uh, startups reach out to me because they were looking to expand into uh, europe and i had the stress of opening businesses uh, from here in um, uk i know uh, different ways how you can get payments without having uh, legal entities then i know which ones to connect that just and, and so on so uh, majority of people were from europe some were from states canada basically all around the world so uh, uh you also work for for the companies which already established um i worked for some companies in the future uh, like in the past i worked for a pharmaceutical company uh, for consulting company and then for a small um, agency but in none of the roles I could really see myself because um, it seems that there is not so much a corporate job which fits my skills you know because no matter which job I would go to people would uh, would be asking me to complete some manual work or uh, do Excel and this sort of stuff. But the moments in which I really shine, <laughs> as I found now, are when people have no idea what to do and they have to brainstorm options 
out of a very tough scenario. Imagine you start running your startup and then uh, now after three months you're running out of money, your, your team has no synergy and you're just speechless about the situation which is going uh, like which is going on. It took me years to realize that these are the scenarios which I handle best and not uh, the type of stuff which every analyst guy can do. And apart from brainstorming options in tough scenarios, the thing which I really enjoy is uh, challenging people's mindsets because imagine you have this one vision of a way how you can make startups successful and you stick to it for years uh, thinking that you're completely right. And the very fun thing to do is to start asking why to people because after you ask um, like why are you making this podcast then okay why do you enjoy it and when you ask why for four or six times you start to find really intrinsic um, drivers in the person's vision um, and once they um, come to them as well it's really fun working process and that's how they find growth hacks and realize that they've been working in the wrong direction for quite a while because it's much lower chance of me to succeed if I just say what you're doing is wrong. You're not going to have any luck with this. No, I stopped doing this because people badly listen to such type of advice. They rather come to conclusions themselves and say, oh, that's a good point. I, why am I doing this this way? So what are the common mistakes uh, that the most of the founders do? Um, it's great that you asked because I'm now writing a book on that called Startup Killers. Um, I saw some mistakes being repeated so frequently that I had no option but to say to myself, okay, why don't I write them on paper? And then it was two pages, five pages, 15 pages, and that's how I'm uh, 30% done with it and this small PDF of five pages now is turning into my first book. So the most common mistakes uh, I see with founders, uh, I don't know uh, which to start with. I think the major one is making the useless products and um, there are many founders who first launch the startup and then they start to uh, look for different potential customers and uh, I've done it myself a couple of times and it always failed because you cannot sort of uh, build like grow a tree and then you start going around people asking them guys do you want to buy this tree and everyone is like why would I buy your tree if there are a thousand trees around you uh, and then they try to sell this tree to 10 potential users no success and then they cut it, like they finished their startup. And the way to um, not to make this mistake is to find your potential users before you start the startup. And I'm a strong evangelist of uh, pre-selling your idea before you even start. And like for my last product, I made 20 pre-sales without even building a single feature. Um, there is a way how you can do this. So you reach out to people, you get on a call with them saying, look, I see you are a uh, freelance um, graphic designer and um, I assume you are struggling with this and this problem. I want to make a solution to this problem. Let's uh, have a quick chat about it. You have a quick chat with people. You show um, your demo if you understand that the person needs the product. And then you just say, look, I'm finishing my last features and this product is going to be out in a few weeks. If you want, you can pre-order it with a 30% discount now. After you make 20 sales like this, you start to understand who is your ideal customer profile, who doesn't need your product at all, who needs it badly, what are the features you should be building because people ask for them. And that's how you basically uh, fight this uh, mistake of building useless products. So uh, different companies that you work for are from different continents and different, uh, uh, completely different places. So different play lands have different laws. So how uh, you give advices to them? 
Yeah, uh, I had a couple of people ask me this same question. And what I say is, look, if you tell me you want to start a uh, podcast studio in India, I'm not going to be your law advisor for sure, because I have no idea what are the laws in India. But what I usually do in such cases is that I do everything apart from advising you on law, because I tell you, okay, you must handle this um, thing yourself. What I do is I have a call with you every week asking you, okay, how can you achieve this goal quicker? And then I ask you, what are other ways how you can improve your workflow to make your podcast studio great sooner? And uh, in these weekly sessions, uh, we're going to be accelerating your uh, progress towards having a great podcast studio in India. So I wouldn't say that I open it for you, but um, whenever you are like majority of people, I think 100% of projects I worked with do international uh, projects. I've never had someone say, okay, I want to uh, make this uh, app only for Spain. All of them uh, would be doing things internationally. Maybe that's why they reached out. Um, I think that I could be potentially useful to some people who are doing in local markets, but I would say that I handle this global scenario best. Uh, do you have particular experiences that uh, uh, some of your founders mentioned that you cannot forget? Um, I think it was this experience with um, the girl. Don't want to talk about the projects she's doing, but the situation which happened is that after, um, like it was the first time in my um, career as a founder coach when the person actually cared less about the project than I did because uh, what I do is I basically become a co-founder of the business for a couple of months of intense work without taking any equity because I really want my clients to succeed. I care about the fact that all of them return to me happy and have great startups rather than they pay me money and then I disappear, you know. And that's why it was really uh, challenging situation for me once I realized that uh, I like what what shall i do i understand that uh, she may do these couple of steps uh, which would lead her to this situation and she just needs to uh, text this message to these people but she would not be doing this um, and it was quite challenging for me to handle because i didn't know what to do about it and ended up uh, putting it like i stopped chatting her more than she acts because uh, that's not the way how you can achieve so much. So the big and the small company that you work for? Uh, are you asking me which are the companies which I have worked for? I mean, uh, not the company names. I'm asking about the size of the company. Ah, you know, uh, like vast majority of people are between idea and traction with their startup. Uh, by traction, I mean uh, getting first uh, thousand users. Um, I've been in this stage a uh, couple of times myself. I understand the main problems uh, founders face in it because when your startup doesn't make money, you always question if anyone in the world needs it. And that's a quite a, a dangerous moment and quite difficult to overcome as well. Because imagine you put a um, couple of months uh, of hard work, maybe six months of hard work into building your prototype, reaching out to users and so on. And then time after time, your prototype, like your MVP doesn't work. And it's extremely difficult not to drop your project at this time because you understand that you can just go back to this uh, job where which will pay uh, 15 times more than you're making with your startup which is like a small amount of money and um, it's a difficult period because you don't make mo en enough money to cover your living expenses you are 
you don't have people to return to your product and you always question yourself if anyone needs what you are doing and the more you can find the answer to this the closer you are to dropping it all and that's why what I help with is reaching out to potential users, figuring out what's the real problem they have. So the product is shaped such way that top three features solve top three pain points of the ideal customer profile. Why do ideas fail? Why do ideas fail? Um, I think it's same as the this biggest problem with startups is that the products are useless. I see many engineers uh, try out different ideas we, and they don't evaluate if uh, anyone needs it. For example, yesterday I had a chat with a person and he uh, made a startup which helps you uh, with your privacy policy on your website. And uh, he's been working on it for half a year, reached out to different startups, and they told him that it's a great idea. That's why he kept on working. But after half a year, no one made a single purchase. And then we had a conversation yesterday, and I told him that the reason no one made a single purchase is that you haven't pre-sold your idea. Uh, it's very dangerous listening to feedback from people who haven't bought your product and I buried a couple of products because of this. Imagine you have 50 or 60 people tell you, yes, I, uh, this is an awesome idea that you are making. Um, your startup is great. I'm sure I'm going to be using it every day. You say, hmm, well, people keep telling me this. It must be a good sign that I should work on this. Finally, it's not because people just um, want to wish you best of luck and uh, without understanding that they push you in a very dangerous spot because then you go and build this idea for a couple of months, you return back to them and they say, hmm, cool idea, man. Thanks for making it real. I'll contact you some other time. And then like I've been in this situation myself maybe two or three times and it's so shocking that uh, when you build features uh, requested by people who haven't bought your, who haven't pre-ordered your product, you end up building the product for everyone and for no one. And finally, uh, like people tell you it's a great idea, but until they paid you money, please don't think that you will be able to make money out of it. I understand that many founders and many makers, they don't chase this uh, thing that they instantly want to make a living out of their startup and they are fine with working on their idea for more than um, a year without making any money. Just it's very crucial to understand it at the start, how much hard work are you ready to put in before you make a living out of your startup? Because you can go into a uh, very saturated market with a lot of competition that means that there is money there but it's going to be hard to get some slice of the pie you know and there is completely opposite to this which is going to a market with little competition and being and like and there you got to uh, reserve eight to twelve months for understanding what is this product that you should be building So all the companies that you work for are uh, IT services? Um, I would say yes, all of them are IT startups, uh, apps or software as a service companies or marketplaces. Uh, I'm thinking of someone, uh, basically one person I worked with, uh, he is making an e-commerce brand selling uh, t-shirts uh, for uh, esports wear and um, he is in e-commerce he's not doing IT but I'd say more than 90% of guys are doing IT projects so you worked uh, for Indian startup uh, I work for what 
Indian uh, a guy uh, a company for India. Um, I'm trying to think. I I re uh, like I talked to different founders uh, from India, but I think that I've never had a chance to work with them, uh, like doing a two-month intense program. I had quite many calls, uh, like single calls, giving them different tips, but never a complete program yet. So, uh, if I want to uh, start a startup uh, in India, I'm from India. So, what uh, what are the things I need to put in my mind uh, before starting this? Uh, okay, <laughs> you should understand who, like, what's the problem you are solving, because there are two types of products. There are vitamins and painkillers. Vitamin is a nice to have product, but people won't die if they don't have it. Painkiller is the product which solves someone's pain point. There are situations when vitamin products turn into painkillers after time. For example, like Instagram. Instagram appeared as a vitamin because people were fine without it, but after five or like 15, 10 years of Instagram, now it's a painkiller because it solves so many problems for people with searching for local uh, brands, uh, friends, and so on. You should understand if you're working on a vitamin or a painkiller. Majority of people I work with do painkillers because uh, they make money sooner, unlike vitamins. Um, you should understand what's the problem you're going to solve. Because if you are going to solve the problem which you don't care about, it's a higher chance that you are going to drop your project in the first uh, year, maybe in the first three months. Because um, I don't know much about your background, but imagine you tell me I want to launch a startup which connects uh, manufacturers with uh, common citizens who want to purchase some pieces of manufacturing. Um, you have this cool idea, you tell me, then as you see, there is a problem that it's difficult for people to purchase from manufacturers. Let's connect them. Uh, you start getting into work, you register a business, you start uh, preparing the prototype, and then you figure out that no one really needs your product because they manage to uh, sell stuff to each other without it. And that's how you realize, well, what do I do next? If you work on the problem which you don't care about, for example, as this case, uh, majority of time what people do is they simply drop their startup and forget about it. But imagine another situation, for example, you want to launch a startup which helps um, early podcast uh, makers connect with interesting individuals for interviews, you know? Um, now they can do it on Twitter or on Instagram, but imagine you want to have a separate uh, platform for this, uh, where it would be easier to connect them. And this is some problem which you faced yourself. It took you a lot of nerves because it was difficult for you to get early interviewees. And you face this first problem, the second problem, the third problem, but you can overcome all of them because you're working on something that you really care about. And that's a huge element of how to make it uh, successful. After you figure out which is the problem you want to solve and you understand that this is the problem that exists, you go and uh, talk to your potential users. And it's very good to talk to them even before you even started making anything because this way you will realize what you should be building. You go to this uh, podcasters in India and you ask them about their main pain points and time after time they tell you, uh, Sai, you know, I have great audio, great video, uh, great design, but it's very difficult for me to find people to interview. You keep hearing this over and over and then you create a demo of your product saying, look, you would log in here, get uh, clients like this. What do you think about this? If they say, wow, it's something that I really need because it will solve my, uh, like help me with my stress so much, then you just go build a prototype with no code instruments um, and do pre-sales. You do 10, 
or 20 pre-sales to understand, okay, I don't need podcasters who made already made more than 20 episodes because it's easier for them to attract people for interviews. My ideal customer profile who, who actually buy my demo are people who are between the third and 10th episode. So they understood that they want to do this, but it's still very difficult for them to get new people for interviews. Um, you build this with no code instruments. I would think of the one which is called builder or maker uh, because you can learn them in a couple of weeks and in less than a month you will have your thing working. Um, then you get these people who you talked to to use your demo. You hear their feedback. Either they say, yes, it solves my problem or they say it doesn't solve my problem. Go fix it. Then you go and fix it. If they say that it helps them, then you keep building on their feedback, uh, making the product so good that they refer it and you scale from there. So service-based company and uh, a product-based company. So uh, two different founders. Uh, so uh, they're giving di different services. So which one, which one uh, works better and which one uh, is different from which one? Once again, uh, different founders, different products. What, what do I mean? Service-based and uh, product-based. What is the difference? The difference between service-based and product-based products. Um, service-based products can be replicated manually. For example, my last product was uh, a product-based product, which turned into a service-based product because at first I made the platform for founders to overcome obstacles and then I put a service on top of this. The service was me having one-on-one -on -one calls with them. And it's the situation which happened is this service part of the uh, startup worked better than the product one. And that's why I pivoted into doing this full time. Um, so we can have another example. Imagine there is a Uber. Um, Uber helps you connect uh, taxi drivers with people who want to order a taxi. Uh, even without you having an app, imagine you can replicate Uber with your two hands and the phone. You just go on the street in, on a Friday night and you look at drunk people who want to get home. You ask them, guys, do you want to order a taxi? Uh, they say, yes, we want to get home because we are about to throw up and so on. Um, then you call one of your taxi drivers, you validate the price, you tell them, guys, is it okay if uh, you drive for this amount of money? They say, yes, it's fine. And then you put them into the taxi, getting some commission from the driver afterwards. Basically, you didn't have any app, but you could uh, do this with your own hands. And that's quite a nice way to test your prototype because if you keep finding people who are ready to pay you little more money, but to just get in taxi, not having to wait under the rain, that's a very good sign that you are validating your uh, startup idea. And then you just can do the following thing. Okay, I did this 50 times. I understand that people, uh, this type of people need this at this moment. Let me make an app which automates everything I was doing. Let me make an app where people would go and press the button to order the taxi and the driver would get the notification and the quickest route. And that's pretty much how you build an Uber. So coming to the founders, uh, do every founder have a, a, a business background or business experience before uh, putting uh, their leg into the startup? Uh, uh, what, what is the success rate uh, that you saw, the, the founders that uh, you met or that you worked for, uh, having already the, the previous experience, the business experience or working in some industry, uh, having a lot of experience and coming and starting a, uh, a company, uh, uh, getting a result and uh, coming without having experience of starting a startup. So uh, which one uh, that in your experience worked and uh, why it worked? Um, from what I saw, I believe that people who succeed the most, it doesn't matter if they had previous businesses. Uh, 
if they worked in a corporate for this amount of years, these are people who want to succeed most badly with their startup because it could be a person, uh, for example, I, I met a person who launched uh, different businesses, they made quite decent money and now he wants a new challenge and wants to launch a startup. Um, he has been looking for the right unicorn idea for more than half a year already and i always say look start with small niche market first make a ship a great product and then um, do this for the market which you believe is going to go from a niche market to a very large one um, though he is still searching for the right idea to work on and there are other cases uh, of people in their 20s who didn't have successful businesses, but they just badly want to scale their projects. Uh, majority of those who were full stack engineers. Uh, they said that they've been doing projects for their uh, agencies for a couple of years, and now they want to build their own one for independence and so on. And the stronger you're willing to put hard work into your success, the higher your chances for success, because um, you can turn any background into your advantage. Let's say that I worked in this uh, consulting and uh, small agency stuff. I learned this type of skills. There could be another person who is 15 years older than me and made different businesses in the past. Uh, they have a different background, but the way I can outcompete these people is by putting hard work and being quite more creative. Of course, it's better to have business background because you understand how money works better. Uh, but there are different situations. For example, engineers who don't know business or marketing so much, but they can handle the product part and have and ship a great product and there is another situation of businessmen who know nothing about the tech part of the product but they understand how the money works and they turn this into their advantage so how much do you charge for each project that you get um you know i uh do a two-month intense program for one thousand five hundred dollars and recently I started doing one-on-one -on -one calls because the situation which was happening is people would be coming for a free call uh, a lot of times and um, I would always share all my info and all my knowledge on a free call. Uh, I would give them the steps uh, for the next three months. I would give them the strategy, the right tools, uh, sometimes even the right freelancers to help them build their product. And then they always would say, yeah, cheers, Dennis. Thanks a lot. <laughs> now we can do everything ourselves. And um, this happened to me more than 10 times before I figured out, wait, it's something wrong here. So I changed this um, situation into the following that I now continue to give a lot of value on the first call as I always been doing just for free but now I um, charge for one hour consultations and instead of me chasing people saying please let me coach you for two months what I do is that after we figure out uh, that we are a good match on this first call person gets a lot of info and we understand that uh, it makes uh, sense to, for us to work together uh, they just say well, would you help me with, with, like make this real? And then I willingly say yes. And that's how I uh, shifted this uh, situation of me running after every single person to me just saying, yeah, sure. I think we're a good match. Let us partner together. So before coming to the first call, uh, how do they know that uh, you're providing this service? Um, so I've collected quite many testimonials so far because I always understand that uh, you may say a thousand words about yourself, but 10 words from, uh, from other person about you 
will always be more powerful. And that's why I collected few testimonials which prove that uh, in every calls I would um, I gave quite a lot of value to people. And um, the thing which we do is that I ask people to uh, share their products background or if they don't have a product, uh, share their vision, their idea and the problem and email it to me. Um, after in the e after the fact that in their email I see that okay they are working on software as a service or an app and they are in this prototype stage and they are struggling with making first sales I see okay I can help them out we go into our first uh, call now it's uh, yeah like I put some info on, on Notion um, I I'll keep all my different pages on Notion because I believe that I'm this type of person who people reach out to to build um, startups with cheaper budget using no code instruments. That's why I should be the main evangelist of uh, the cheap way to make things real. So, uh, like you said, uh, uh, you help uh, the founders in uh, getting the result faster, and uh, and uh, you become their co-founder, and you understand uh, how things are going on in order to understand uh, how uh, things are working. So, how much uh, time you take uh, in order to understand the complete scenario and uh, to give uh, them the advice which exactly works and gets uh, the results that they want. Um, I want to make myself clear. I don't become a legal co-founder of their business. I just meant that uh, my commitment is equal to a co-founder role because I truly care about all of the people who partner with me making their projects real. Um, and then you asked, uh, how, like, how do I prepare for this? You know, if the if the person uh, like there could be situations when people work on some markets which I don't handle that yet and in which I won't be that much of a uh, uh, advisor for their next actions but rather helping them discover their next steps. Imagine you are doing a hardware startup trying to uh, to manufacture drones. I don't know anything about manufacturing drones but what I know is that you in order to make it real you shouldn't give up and you should brainstorm fastest ways how you can achieve each milestone quicker and if we partner with this drone manufacturing i would help you brainstorm such options every week so that you turn your 12 uh, month goal into a three months goal you know um so yeah once again i don't become a co-founder of the business and I don't take money from people who I don't feel I can help because uh, there might be some situations in future where, where people say I want to commit a suicide well as far as I'm a coach and they might be a founder uh, that's not the type of the profile of problems which I help with and they're better off going to a psychiatrist who's been doing it for 10 or more years because I don't have enough uh, like um, I I cannot cope with such type of problems. So, um, which means psychological problems? Uh, yeah, I'm not a psychiatrist. I never say that. <laughs> okay. So, what is the best compliment that you got till now? Um, I think. The best compliment which I got till now was not really much in words, but in the face expression of the person who I worked with, because uh, the words majority of time are pretty similar. It's uh, thank you. I really appreciate the stuff you did. But the way people say it is different and I don't always remember the words people say but what I keep in the mind is the way they said it and once there was a situation when a person who retired from uh, their job uh, 
he was doing uh, like he's doing a startup to improve UX research for small teams. And I gave a ton of advice to him with um, first interviews, how to validate uh, the idea better, how to understand the key features for the initial product. And what I really enjoyed was the look in the face that I could really feel that the person was deeply grateful for what I've done. So you also help uh, the the uh, uh, people who wants to start their startup who don't have any technology experience. Yeah, and uh, finally now you don't need that much technology experience to make things real because in the last couple of years there is a trend for no-code instruments and as I'm a node technical founder, I basically thought, okay, I want to make my project real. I don't want to chase investors for one year. What can I do? Okay, there are these no-code instruments. Let me try them out and see if I can uh, make them, uh, my projects real using them. That's how I basically uh, learned majority of the tools and I understand uh, imagine you want to have this marketplace which connects podcast studios with guests. I tell you that these are the three instruments you should be looking at to ship your project. You can learn them yourself in uh, three or four weeks and ship your product in around five or six weeks or you pay a freelancer and you make them real with a freelancer. So, uh, what is your background? What is your background in, uh, uh, in small words? Um, my background is marketing and business. I've been studying this in a couple of universities in Russia, Germany and UK. And while studying, I also worked in uh, consulting in a small marketing agency and in a pharmaceutical company. but they did not really um, match my interests because pharmaceutical industry is extremely slow and I think it's one of the first furthest industries from what I enjoy because um, it takes six or ten years in the pharmaceutical industry to get all the, leg all the legislations and to make the product real like some new drug um, and you know, in 10 years time, I think I will already start four companies, exit two of them and make one 10 times uh, larger, you know. Uh, so pharmaceutical industry was too slow for me to handle because I'd rather uh, do two months of intense work and figure out if my business is feasible or not in a couple of months rather than having to do this for seven or ten years because uh, I don't have this type of mentality of uh, like which would allow me to do this. Yes, I would say that it's lower risk that uh, you would fail in the pharmaceutical industry if you are launching some uh, pro like some project like you get uh, pharmaceuticals in one place and you resell them in another place for more money. Okay, that's a business model which existed for a thousand years but if you are doing something new well i am not really the type of the person who could be researching something for 10 or uh, 20 years without ever knowing that it can be brought into life and that's how i started discovering startup world digital disruption and innovation uh learning more about it and then i read a book called um the Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. And uh, Ben Horowitz is a person who runs a venture capital fund. And in this book, he wrote that he used to be a chief product officer for many years, and then he turned to be a CEO. And there he writes that um, like product manager is nearly doing a CEO role. And then I asked myself, okay, why would I become in a, why would I become a CEO of someone other's company as a product manager instead of doing my own? 
I wanted to disrupt EdTech industry and those projects in education. That's how I made a note-taking app for students, which died after a couple of months. Uh, basically, my journey started after I realized, okay, in order for me to get a great job, I need to find a job which I will deeply desire. I looked around at tech industry and I haven't found a single startup which I badly wanted to join. And that's why I thought, okay, why don't I start my own? That's how it started. So at last, uh, what do you say to the uh, uh, founders or people who wants to become a founder and uh, for watching and listening to our conversation? The main thing I would tell them is do do what you can where you are with what you have. This phrase helped me get where I'm now and I love what I'm doing. Um, so instead of trying to um, procrastinate and tell yourself, okay, let me research for a couple or more months or uh, I'm not sure about it. Uh, what if it fails? Don't overthink starting the startups because 99% of startups fail even before someone starts them because they die in people's minds. They are scared of launching them. They think uh, it's um, too difficult. Uh, they will waste their life. I haven't met a single person who launched a startup and would regret their time doing this so please just make the first three steps because no one knows the first hundred steps but in order to get to the level hundred you got to start with making first couple of actions so uh, as a founder as a person who's into marketing as a uh, as a person who's a great observer about uh, different companies and how things work in different uh, what do you say about my videos on YouTube? I would say that you do nice work with asking deep questions, but I think your design can be way cooler because you put this spinning globe uh, and then the uh, this uh, words running down the uh, screen and it looks like <laughs> maybe Indian TV, I don't know. Um, I think you can uh, make your design uh, way more sexy. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you think that is working for me in order to make things possible, like talking with different country people? I have technical background. I did the master's in software engineering and uh, graduation in uh, computer science and engineering how this uh, work of mine is going to be helpful for me uh, uh, if i work in a tech company how would it be helpful for you if you start working in a tech company uh, i think you should be doing something you enjoy and uh, i can uh, well there are hundreds of ways how any job can benefit you but it will not benefit you until you want to be doing this job if you feel that after graduating masters and having this technical background as you say you like the thing which you enjoy the most is talking to people asking them deep questions and sharing it with other people why bother programming so yeah that's what uh, your words are, are valuable for me so i just uh, want to listen what you say because uh, uh, you work and you see a lot of things with your eyes and uh, you help a lot of people, right? So just want to know your observation. Yeah, because uh, whatever will work for you as long as you are really passionate about it. If you see your peers go to uh, become technical engineers and you see hmm, they earn more money than I do. Well, if you get fed up with this, you can go and earn money too. But uh, I think by doing something you can do uh, a lot of time at the day and putting your heart into this you'll achieve way more than being an engineer without really having a passion towards it I think uh, yeah just do what you love if you have no desire to become an engineer don't if you 
are not sure, well, you may try it for a couple of months and quit. You won't die anyway. Just it's about trying out more things to figure out which one resonates with you better. Uh, I mean, uh, how this experience talking with different people like experts like you talking with these uh, uh, people and uh, understanding and knowing how things work, how this complete uh, uh, communication experience is going to be helpful if I work uh, in a tech job, this experience, how it helps. Um, I watched some of your previous videos and I heard other people replying to this question. Uh, I may cheat saying you may connect uh, different people, different experts and uh, try to become a, a venture uh, person who helps people raise money for their startups. Um, but I think that um, it's not only about you trying to raise money to people just by talking to hundreds of individuals from around the globe after the call you may also be asking what do these people need uh, for example one person may need help with uh, running a marketing campaign and um, another person may say to you that i am looking for a partner to start my machinery business or like to to buy my uh, uh, jewelry and then you end up meeting a person who buys a lot of jewelry or who want to start a machinery company you connect them together the station which happened in um, in my case was that I would also connect with hundreds of people um, in the last couple of years and then it was quite spontaneous that um, I see this person who is great at in no code and this person who wants to launch a no code studio. So I just introduce them to one another. Then I have this person who wants to build a big uh, project and this agency which helps to, uh, with IT services. I connect them and sometimes I was able to get some money out of it. And you know, if like to make it more feasible for you, I would consider meeting people in one area. Of course, it's great to be broad and to have different contexts from different fields. But imagine from this day on, you start only meeting people uh, in gold mining field and you meet people doing gold mining every single day. Uh, some are sellers, some are manufacturers, some are uh, doing logistics and then imagine after three months and meeting 90 people you'll have so many valuable um, contacts in this field that you would be able to say okay now they finished mining this uh, uh, place they want to sell it you just make the call and say guys look I think I've got a, a buyer for your gold um, will you give me a small commission if uh, I'm able to sell it for you in less than a week? They say, yeah, sure, we'll give you, I don't know, 0.01% of the deal. But interestingly, this 0.01% may be so much money for you that you will retire for the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great uh, observation. So, uh, I'll put uh, your web links in the description of this video. People who find our video on YouTube can see the work that you're doing and uh, uh, can also take uh, uh, the service that you're providing and uh, can also benefit from, uh, uh, from your service and can grow uh, themselves and uh, their businesses. Yes, I thanks a lot. I really enjoyed the call because it's been the first time in a while someone asked me so much about me because it's usually me asking questions. I wish you to have a great day, have great people on your podcast and do the things that you have passion for. Uh, thank you, Dennis. It means a lot to me. Uh, you are coming to my show, accepting to be on my show and uh, telling about the service that you're providing and uh, telling about what you do and uh, how uh, you made things possible. Yes, pleasure from my side. Um, I'll be happy to 
chat with you in future on Twitter and follow your growth, uh, like in whatever you're doing. Thank you, Dennis. Can I put this video on my YouTube channel with your permission? Yeah, sure. I thought that we're doing it for this. <laughs> and also, can I put this audio and video clip on my podcast, uh, website, internet, social media, everywhere with your permission? Yeah, you have my permission, of course. I, I, I thought you had it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but I asked you again. So thank you, Dennis. Uh, keep uh, inspiring and uh, keep doing what you love and i'm sure uh, because of your contribution a lot of people get benefit and uh, uh, grow themselves and uh, grow their companies and uh, and uh, help a uh, lot of people with their companies thank you a lot have a great day see you soon man bye yeah bye